So here's what God is saying with regard to what he's doing, what he's starting with us. So don't be afraid. I'm with you. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. I will bring your children from the east and gather them from the west. I'll send orders north and south. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Return my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. I want them back, every last one who bears my name, every man, woman, and child whom I created for my glory. How wonderful and beautiful they will be. The young men will thrive on abundant grain, and the young women will flourish on new wine. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. You will raise up young men and young women, bishops, strong apostolic ministries, strong teachers, going out from your company, and they will reproduce this anointing. Your young people will freely join you at the break of dawn with all the vigor of youth resplendent in holy armor on the day of your conquest. Okay, we'll read it again, and so at home too, read it out aloud, because like I said, these are words that are given to us from the Lord, and so one of the ways we agree with him is by speaking and uh, speaking them out. Eh? And what are we talking about? We are talking about God beginning to move across the earth among teenagers, 20s and 30s, and even some 40s, drawing them back to him as the risen Christ who is not religious, but is absolute Lord, drawing their hearts, their minds, their spirits to him, releasing upon earth such a wave of young people suddenly realizing that, ah, shucks, Jesus Christ is Lord. In nations that are Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian, atheist, in Canada, in the U.S., all across, starting from this tiny group of people in Vernon and Bahrain and Vancouver, unlabeling this thing called Acts 29 so that it's not a, a certain church group that it's starting in, but amongst the people who have um, faithfully dug the wells that their fathers had dug earlier and that the Philistines had stopped. And God, for whatever reason, in his sovereign um, uh, will, has decided that this is where I'm going to start. And it's going to go across the earth. It's not going to be just people turning to Jesus Christ. It'll be people going out for Christ. It, it is not a gathering for Christ that's going to happen. The gathering is just the initial part. What God is actually doing, what God is planning to do, is he's not saying I'm gathering the young people towards me. He's saying I'm going to gather them to scatter them across the earth. The strange thing about any authentic revival is that there, there is an explosive missionary spirit that grabs hearts. And churches don't fill, churches empty, and then they birth again. Hear me, this is what God is up to. He is not doing something where churches will be filled to capacity with young people. He is doing something called, I'll bring them in, I will load them up like clouds, and they will be so sold out because they will recognize that the goodness of God is enough to take care of the things of life. And they'll say, send me for king and kingdom. And they'll be scattered across the face of the earth. And they'll birth new houses, new churches, new households. 
It'll be so apostolic in character there'll be a gathering, a knowing, a learning and a sending out. We're not talking about a huge youth conference where thousands of young people turn up. That is what God wants to do. So let's read this one more time. That's why it says that you'll raise up young men, young, young women, bishops, strong apostolic ministries going out. So let's start from the beginning. So don't be afraid. I'm with you. For I'll pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. I will bring your children from the east and gather them from the west. I'll send orders north and south. I'll say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Return my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. I want them back, every last one who bears my name, every man, woman, and child whom I created for my glory. How wonderful and beautiful they will be. The young men will thrive on abundant grain and the young women will flourish on new wine. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the watercourses. You will raise up young men and young women, bishops, strong apostolic ministries, strong teachers going out from your company and they will reproduce this anointing. Your young people will freely join you at the break of dawn with all the vigor of youth resplendent in holy armor on the day of your conquest. Awesome. Alrighty. Okay. So guys, every revival is an invitation. Every revival every revival is an invitation to the church and to the world. Every revival is an invitation to the church and to the world to the church and to the world every revival is an invitation to the church and to the world to know the greatness and the nearness of a holy God We've been saying this almost every day. That every revival, which is what we find ourselves in the midst of, I never thought this would happen in my lifetime. And I definitely didn't think that we'd be so deeply involved in it that I'd be caught in the middle of it. A thrill at that. Every revival is an invitation to the church first and then to the world to know the greatness and the nearness. It's both, eh? I don't know which comes first. The greatness and the nearness of a holy God. First in the church. And it just flips the church around. And once the church is flipped around, the world begins to see it too. Partly through the church and largely through God himself doing what he's doing, eh? That's the beauty about revivals. They are God's sovereign move. And so, in a sense, the word, and 
this is the word we'll be talking about today. In a sense, the word presence, the word presence is when a community or when a seeking community, as in a people that have been seeking God, when a seeking community, presence is when a seeking community is saturated. Presence is when a seeking community is saturated with a conscious awareness of God, with a conscious awareness, conscious awareness of his nearness and his greatness. You become very conscious of his greatness and his nearness. And it saturates that community. That is when you know um, this thing called revival presence, where it has so marinated you and you become so highly aware of it. And I believe it's happening, eh? I really believe it's happening. I believe it's... Uh, uh, some of my measures... Uh, just the stories I hear from people. I mean, last night, I had a six-year-old call me. A six-year-old called me and pray with me. Because he heard me say on Tuesday that, hey, we need to call each other and pray. And the six-year-old calls me and he begins to pray with me for what is happening. You don't know what it does to your heart, man. And I'll shut up any day when that six-year-old prays. Because my God, I could never match what his heart says. I see what's happening here with the music team. I dislike calling them the worship team because they're not. Jane is not a worship leader. I see it here with the, with the guys here. I see it in your homes. I hear your stories. And I know that we are getting closer and closer to a place where we are a community that is saturated with a conscious awareness of both the greatness of God and the nearness of God like not before. It's not like we were far away from God, eh? But I'm talking about something so different that it is almost like that was far away. So in a revival, presence just begins to set on fire things that God wants to do. And presence is when a community is saturated with an awareness of his greatness and his nearness. I know what's happening in my heart, man, in my life. This is when, in a matter of five months, you earn a lifetime of God. Not earn. In a matter of five months, you get a lifetime of God. And it's not because you started seeking him particularly um, intensely. It is because he started coming after you with an intensity that you cannot avoid. It just bowls you over. And make presence the focus, guys. Make presence the focus. If the manifestation is the focus, it becomes a measure. Make presence the focus. I mean, on Monday, I talked about how, oh, Holy Spirit, we are open to whatever you want to do. I will not set up barriers or filters based on how ministries and people may have abused 
or being excessive in what they called was Holy Spirit. I, w- I refuse to set up barriers because when we ask for the Holy Spirit, we know enough now to know when it's a stone, egg, or scorpion. And anyways, God is not that kind of God and we won't be deceived. So that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is presence will still be the focus. If manifestation becomes a focus, it becomes a measure. So then unless you unless you experience a certain manifestation, you begin to think that the presence is not there. But when presence is the focus, it's very different, eh? When presence is the focus, the manifestation is just an accompaniment. When presence is the focus, the manifestation is an accompaniment. I mean, when Yo-Yo Ma plays, people are not looking at all the other guys holding the triangle and banging them. They are accompaniments. When Sheldon plays, nobody is looking at um, oh, well, let's forget Sheldon. You get what I mean. So, <laughs> so, when presence is the focus, manifestation is an accompaniment. And by the way, you'll be surprised at how many, I don't want to call them strange manifestations, but how many um, odd things have been happening in terms of manifestations in the, in the church since Sunday. Things that I've been told, things that I've experienced that uh, aren't going to be the focus. One day, one day. And this is just since Sunday. I'm thinking to myself, Father, will you be able to finish by next Monday? Well, that's his problem. And at the, on Monday, we talked about baptism in the Spirit. What do you think baptism in the Spirit is? Baptism in the Spirit is immersion in His presence. Baptism in the Spirit is immersion in His presence. Baptism in the Spirit is immersion in His presence. Yes, uh, Tuesday we talked about boldness. What do you think boldness is? Anybody who is in His presence will say, I am not afraid. That's what boldness is. Anybody who is in His presence will say, I am not afraid. Today we'll start with Psalm 24. And we might be in Psalm 24 for the next couple of days. And Psalm 24 is actually a psalm about positioning yourself in His presence. Psalm 24 is actually a psalm about positioning yourself in His presence. It talks about who can ascend the hill of God, who can stand in His holy presence. It talks about open up the ancient doors and the ancient gates so that the king of glory may come in. But I just want to look at Psalm 24 verse 6 today. Psalm 24 verse 6. All we'll talk about is this marvelous thing called the presence of God during a time of revival and then we'll pray. Psalm 24 verse 6. Such is the generation of those, you seek, those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. And the, fact, uh, the, the thing is, the word face actually comes from a Hebrew word that called panim. A panim is both face and presence. The same word is used for presence. We've talked about this in the past. Such is the generation of those who seek you, O God. 
those who seek your panim, as in those who seek your presence, those who seek your face. I just pray that today, as we begin to pray, we realize how to walk in this awareness of his nearness and his greatness. Not for two days, not for seven days, not for one year. For the rest of our lives, eh? Because once this thing starts, the radius of the ripple is huge, man. Unlike the Old Testament, guys, revivals begin in the New Covenant with presence. In the Old Testament, Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That was how it used to work in the Old Covenant. And sometimes, in trying to generate or initiate a revival, people in the New Covenant go back to Second Chronicles 7.14 and try to work from Second Chronicles 7.14. And I'm saying to you that unlike the Old Testament, revivals begin with a sovereign move of God where his presence is there for us to take advantage of. And if we do, then it is an awareness of his greatness and nearness that causes me to humble my heart. It is an awareness of his greatness and his nearness that causes me to repent. It is an awareness of his greatness and his nearness that causes me to behold the beauty of his holiness. It's just the other way around. Which is why it is so important to be keenly aware of it. It is the kindness and the goodness of God according to the New Testament that leads us to repentance. Start with His presence. And guys, if we get it, then when we, this begins to transfer to the world, it will be the same. They will see within the people of God the greatness and the nearness of God. How will it look? We'll talk about that another day because I don't know. Guys, it is his presence that is de going to deeply affect me. It is his presence that's going to touch my lips. It is his presence that will qualify me to ascend the hill. It is his presence that will qualify me to stand before him. It is his presence that will cause me, on one hand, to say, Woe is me, for I have seen the King of glory. On the other hand, it is his presence that will make me clean, so that I might say, Oh God, I heard your question. Here I am, send me. It is his presence. It is overwhelming when people are touched that way. Let me read you something from um, an excerpt from the revival in Hebrides. This is written by Duncan, the uh, pastor Duncan Campbell, who uh, we've been talking about for the last little while. Listen to this, eh? I shall never forget the night that I arrived at the pier in the mail steamer. I was standing in the presence of the minister whom I had never seen and two of his elders that I never knew. The minister turned to me and said, I wonder if you would be prepared to address a meeting in the parish church at nine o'clock tonight on our way home. It'll be a short meeting and then we will get your supper and, you, and put you to bed and you can rest until tomorrow evening. Well, it'll interest you to know that I never got that supper. We got to the church about quarter to nine to find about 300 people gathered. And I gave an address, as in a message. Nothing really happened during the service. It was a good meeting. A sense of God, a consciousness of his spirit moving, but nothing beyond that. So I pronounced the benediction and we were leaving the church. I would say 
10.45 p.m. Just as I'm walking down the aisle along with the young deacon who had read Psalm 24 in the barn, he suddenly stood in the aisle and looking up to heavens, he said, God, you can't fail us. God, you can't fail us. You promised to pour water on thirsty on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. God, you can't fail us. Soon he is on his knees in the aisle and he is still praying and then he falls into a trance again. Just then the door opened and it was now 11 o'clock. The door of the church opens and the local blacksmith comes back into the church and says, Mr. Campbell, Mr. Campbell, something wonderful has happened. We were praying that God would pour water on thirsty and, uh, and floods upon the dry ground. And listen, he's done it, he's done it, he's done it. When I went to the door of the church, I saw a congregation of approximately 600 people. 600 people. Where they had come from, what had happened? I believe that very night, God swept in Pentecost power, the power of the Holy Ghost. And what happened in the early days of the apostles was now happening in the parish of Barvas. Over 100 young people were at the dance in the parish hall and they weren't thinking of God or eternity. They were there to have a good night when suddenly the power of God fell upon the dance. The music ceased and in a matter of minutes the hall was empty. They fled from the hall as a man fleeing from a plague and they made for the church and they were standing outside. Men and women who had gone to bed rose and dressed and made for the church. Nothing in the way of publicity. But God took the situation in hand and he became his own publicity agent. A hunger and thirst gripped the people. 600 of them now are at the church standing outside. This dear man, the blacksmith, turned to me and said, I think that we should sing a psalm. And they sang and they sang and they sang verse after verse. Oh, what singing, what singing. And then the doors were opened and the congregation flocked back into the church. You think this is not going to happen? The more I walk in this and see what we are doing as a people, the more I'm convinced of this happening without our interference, interruption, without our prayers even. Just a sovereign move of God that he is having us involved in. God only knows what is happening as we are worshipping in Vernon, in Bahrain, in Sydney, in Vancouver. God only knows people that are walking out of dance clubs, walking out of a deal that they were going to make. Why? Because something inside them just begins to move so powerfully. Some long forgotten tune that they heard in a church with their mothers comes back to life. Don't flag on this one, man. Put your foot on the pedal, eh? We are into something that God is doing. That is all I can say. We are into something that God is doing and he's going to do it across the earth. I spend most of the day trying to align my heart to believe in what he is doing so that I don't veer away or go into the flesh because this is a sheer act and work of the Spirit. Let it consume your thoughts. It should consume your thoughts. When you're working, you should suddenly realize you're distracted and that you've got to focus on your work. Why? Because your mind is slipping away and you're joining two wires that you shouldn't join. You're pouring one thing into a flask you shouldn't pour. Evan's laughing because he's been joining wires today. 
It is his presence that affects me deeply and then touches my lips like a coal from the altar. And then I behold his beauty and it qualifies me to both ascend the hill and stand in his holy presence. As much as I'm undone, I'm also where I need to be. Father, we just worship you right now. Father, I just thank you as you invite us to enter into places with you, exit with you. As you draw us whenever you please and then release us whenever you please. We are here for you. We are here for you, O oh God. I think that's a line from a song, Lord. We are here for you. We are here for you. I just love the fact, Father, that your massive arms are encircling the globe right now. And you're chuckling, oh God. You're chuckling, saying, they don't know what I'm about to do. Give me back my sons and my daughters. Give me back my sons and my daughters. Every one of them that I have called by name, give them back. I say to the north, release them. I say to the south, do not hold them back. I will gather them from the east and the west. Father, I thank you for people in Mongolia, Indonesia, Philippines, uh, um, in New Zealand, in China, in North America, in Washington, in Canada, in Manitoba. Father, I just bless you. We just worship you, Abba. Just worship in church. Hey, just lower my volume some. Let's just worship him in languages we know and uh, language, languages we don't know. Just worship him. As in praise and pray to him in languages we both know and don't know. And can you turn my volume down a little and I'll tell you when to turn it up again. We agree with heaven. We agree with what heaven is releasing. 
We are not asking that heaven release something. We agree because heaven is releasing something. Father, we, 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 we stand on the wings of the Spirit. We flow with the wind of the Spirit. And we thank you as we go to different nations. We think of different nations right now. We think of different nations right now that are coming to mind. And we say to the young there, to the sons and the daughters there, to the boys and the girls there, come forth, come forth. This is your time. This is your time. You shall know the greatness and the nearness of God. The greatness and the nearness of God. We say to churches here in Vancouver, we say to churches here in Vancouver, we say to pastors here in Vancouver, awaken, 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 awaken. Can't you see the move of God? I thank you, Father, that they will, that they will. Anyone who has a pulse will know the greatness and the nearness of God. I thank you about that. When you turn up, you're a mighty distraction. You're a mighty distraction. It's hard not to notice you. You can be rejected, but you cannot be unnoticed. We thank you, Father. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. We say to those that have received a Gideon Bible, a flyer, a letter long ago that they've kept away, that they've stored away in their shelves. It comes tumbling out. They pick it up. They're changing channels. They come across the word Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that your name is a life-giving name. Your name is a water-pouring name. Your name is a flood. Your name saturates the thirsty, slakes the thirsty. We bless you, O God. Hallelujah. Guys, I just want us today to understand how to be aware of his nearness and greatness. It is, I'm just so surprised at how easy it is. See, I can't order manifestations from God because my father is not an entertainer. This is not like Herod saying, okay, Jesus, do some miracle trick and I'll believe you. I can't order manifest manifestations because my father is not an entertainer, entertainer. But here's the thing, guys. You need to believe this, understand this and believe this. I can draw his presence. I can draw his presence. I can draw his presence. As in, I can draw his presence. You might think, really, Jacob? Isn't it up to God whether he shows up or not? True, but I can draw his presence. When after a while we start praying and worshiping, I guarantee you, I will draw his presence. The strange thing is you can too. Why? Why? How can you say, Jacob, that I can draw his presence? Because one, I have relationship. You can draw his presence because you are an eager son or daughter and he is your life-giving father. Any child who is eager can draw the father's presence. Phoebe can draw Sheldon's presence like this. I can draw God's presence. It's the privilege that has been given me. It's because of the relationship that he's allowed me into. It's not special to me. It is special to us who are his children. I can draw his presence. I'm an eager son and he's a life-giving father from Eden, all the way back to Eden. I go all the way back to Eden. He used to come and walk with me in the Garden of Eden. I'd recognize the sound of his footsteps and I'd begin to walk with him. And we'd have conversations. I'm talking about Adam, obviously. 
I can draw his presence. My God, man, we've been sold this lie that to get his presence, you've got to do a song and a dance. I can draw his presence. And strangely enough, the father allows that. The moment this eager son looks upwards, just looks upwards, the father becomes a life-giving, doting, adoring father that he is. I guarantee you, today as we pray and seek his presence, it won't be difficult. And it'll never be difficult again for us. Never be difficult again. Never. There will be no difficulty in praise and worship and presence. Forget praise and worship. Praise and worship isn't a way to get into his presence. Praise and worship is an expression of the awareness of his presence. We don't praise and worship so that he can inhabit our praises. We inhabit him and we praise him because we are aware of his greatness and his nearness. This church will never have a problem knowing, entering his presence. And when a people begin to do that, then it is natural for manifestations to be an accompaniment. I can draw his presence. I can draw his presence because he's the one asking. I can draw his presence because he's the one who's asking. He's the one who is asking. He's the one who's saying, hey, look at what I'm doing on earth. Come. I'm inviting you to know the greatness and the nearness of a holy God like you haven't tasted ever before, Jacob. And you'll love it, my boy, because I know you. He's the one asking for it. Revelation 3.20, the New Living Translation puts it this way. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. I love that. We'll share a meal together as friends. This ain't presence that leaves. This is an awareness of the nearness and the greatness of God for the rest of my life. I'll have to pull myself away. I'll have to shut him out. It'll be so hard to do. You know what presence does to a people? It drives sin away. Because I have found something else that is so far superior to sinning that it ain't as attractive as it used to be. I can draw his presence. I can draw his presence. I'm like a presence magnet. I can draw his presence. One, because of the relationship he has allowed me to have with him. Son and father. I can draw his presence. Why? Because I can... Uh, because he's the one who's asking me to come and dive into his presence. And it's infinite. Eh? It's a matrix you can swim in for the rest of your life. I can draw his presence because... I mean, this sounds like a terrible reason, a very uh, simplistic reason. I can draw his presence because I can. Because I can. <laughs> if you read Hebrews 10, verse 19 and verse 22, it says, Friends, we can now without hesitation walk right up to God into the holy place. 
we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God in the holy place. So let's do it, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Hebrews 10, verse 19 and 22, from the message. So friends, we can now, without hesitation, guys, don't hesitate on this. We know what hesitation did. Songs, Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 3. It was not her lack of love. It was her hesitation. But I have changed into my robe and I have slipped into my uh, sleeping socks and do I really have to get up and open the door right now? It was not, not a lack of love. It was hesitation. Come on, man. Here is an invitation. Don't hesitate today and the rest of your life. I can draw his presence simply because I can. Hebrews 10, 19, 22. So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. So let's do it confident that we are presentable. Let's do it believing and confident that we are presentable inside and out. I am. This is something he's done for me. I can draw his presence because I really desire it. I can draw his presence because I really desire it. Because I really desire it. I can draw his presence because I really desire it. I can draw his presence because I really desire it. And even my desire is his doing. This is something that you'll have to work out on your own. Because each one of us is different in that. Man, but if you desire it, have the audacity to say what Moses did in Exodus 33, verse 18, which I definitely plan to do, not just for myself, but for our, on our behalf. Exodus 33, 18, Moses says, Please, O oh God, let me see your glorious presence. Please, O oh God, let me see your glorious presence. And I'm going to ask that, not just for myself, but for us. Please, O oh God, let me see your glorious presence. Okay, you found favor in my sight Acts 29, without the label, and Jacob, you found favor in my sight. So I'll show you what I need to show you. But you can't see my face. But, oh, by the way, that was in the Old Testament. You can't see my face because Jesus is my face. There's no hiding me behind his back with his hand. There's only an increasing uh, witness of his face as we are changed from glory to glory. So expect this to increase. This is not a seven-day event, please. My God, it would be so sad if after seven days we said, oh, that was good. That would be terrible. I can draw into his presence because it's a prayer in his will. I can draw into his presence because it's a prayer that is in his will. It's a prayer that's in his will will it's a prayer that's in his will he wants us to do this guys there's so much here that should not um, give you any doubt as to what we can accomplish in terms of an awareness of his nearness and his um, greatness the awareness of the nearness and the greatness of a holy God. We're going to walk away from this place today that way. 
singed by coals from the altar. Deeply affected somewhere deep in your spirit and your heart. Unable to turn away. Isaiah 64. Unable to turn away. I can think of a few times in our lives, eh? As I'm sure you can. Where something happened and you cannot turn away. I've been a believer for seven or eight months and this man called Mike from Rama Bible College in the U.S. came to Bahrain. We were, meeting, we were meeting in a small U.S. Navy chapel. I didn't know much about God, but I sure wanted all that God had. And this guy started talking about, are you really willing to lay down everything for God? And I was, what, 23 or 24, 25, something like that. Man, he said something and showed a side of God that was so powerful that I remember going up and deciding that day that the rest of my life would be so God and not religion, not Christianity, not Pentecostalism, nothing of that sort. And I still don't know what was powerful about what he said. He was a very ordinary speaker. But there are these moments in our life where God touches us so deep that you will never forget that mark. It's almost like dislocating your hip but it's something that's dislocated inside and you will always carry that mark for the rest of your life why am i saying this because tonight is the night tonight is the night for me tonight is the night for you tonight is the night for a whole lot of people that are watching tonight is the night that um, i am changed in the presence of a holy god we cry holy 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 I am changed in the presence of a holy God. I just want to put up Isaiah 64, verse 1 to 4, and then verse 7. Isaiah 64, verse 1 to 4, and then verse 7. Look at what it says, eh? Here's what it says. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. And the verse 7 have changed it some. We will call on your name and stir ourselves up to take hold of you. <laughs> Let me read that again. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens today, tonight, oh God, and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to, wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds, O oh God, beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked then. For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. We will call on your name and stir, us, stir ourselves up 
to take hold of you. We will call on your name and stir ourselves up to take hold of you. So I'm going to ask the um, music team to come back up and they might lead us in a song or two. And then at some point we'll just start. Um, we'll just start drawing his presence. Please, I'm very deliberate about the words I'm using. We are not going to seek his presence. We're not going to ask for his presence. We're going to draw his presence for these reasons. This, this group of people, I, I, I don't even want to say church because I literally believe that God is uh, unwrapping un, un, um, the Acts 29 label so that whosoever, whosoever. And so um, we're going to draw his presence and we will never go back to the old way. I, I'm, I'm just so blown away by this that we will never go back to the old ways of seeking his presence because we have come to a place where we know we draw his presence. Just, just selah on it and you'll realize where we are standing at the brink of something that I didn't know but I now know and life will be forever different.